Hello and welcome to Horror. This is a fortnightly podcast in which myself, Lee, and Adam will be taking our friend Chris on a journey through the twisted world of horror cinema in the hopes of introducing him to some of the many delights the genre has to offer. The premise is very simple. We will sit down together and watch a film. As soon as it's finished, we will sit down and record the podcast immediately afterwards. As such, it will be very spoiler-heavy, and we do suggest you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, not only so we don't spoil it, but also so you know exactly what we're talking about. At the end of each discussion, we'll decide what film we'll be watching next, and we'll let you know so you have a fortnight to watch it yourselves, and then come on our journey with us again. Along the way, there will be facts, laughs, opinions, probably quite a lot of swearing. Any full frontal nudity will be completely irrelevant, as this is audio only. So, with the introduction over, it's now time for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Scary, creepy, baby crying voices. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. I'm, I'm, it's, uh, I'm working on it for Halloween with Claire. <laughs> Just sort of a great moment. <laughs> Middle of the night. I'm sure scary. she'll love that. The woman yeah. who doesn't like horror because it's yeah. too scary. That'd be and then a bit of. There, I mean. Right. Evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to horror. I'm Lee. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. And we're all here once again for the beginning of our month of Halloween uh, excitement. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, yes. Halloween hoot nanny, as it were. Yeah. Um, So all this month we'll be covering, I know we obviously always do horror films, but (laughs) we're going to do specifically Halloween themed films uh, for all of this month. So that's three episodes. Um, And we're starting it this evening with the absolutely ball-bustingly fantastic uh, Trick or Treat. Yeah, what a A great start. Yeah. Yes, first time for you, sir. It was. What did you make of it? I loved that. (laughs) Excellent. Particularly the twists, Mm. because it did a great job of, of, I felt like, lulling me into not quite knowing which direction we were going in, and then, yeah, nicely twisting it up and... Making it very entertaining. Yeah, it's a, it's. I, I love the I love each of the stories on their own, mm. and I love the way they intermingle. Yeah, and the yeah. way they've been laid out so that you think you've seen the end of a character, yeah. and then they turn up in a later story. It's so well written. It's just mm. mind boggling. Yeah, absolutely. It's the horror pulp fiction in terms of yeah. like, <laughs> well, in t- like even that thing of like. The first person you see die is then moments later in the same in another story, yeah, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, and it that just, is a good and the fact that like you see, for example, the bit in the backyard, you see it from Wilkins' point of view, yeah, and then Krieger's point of view, yeah, and yeah, it really is because it's so well done because it's unusual for an anthology film anthology uh, anthology <laughs> anthology films usually present like they'll have a wraparound story that then presents each tale in turn 
Whereas this mingles it up actually yeah. more so than I remembered it doing. To mm. be honest, I remember because uh, for some reason I remembered it a bit more. Yeah, a bit more blocked yeah. than that. But yeah, everything sort of occurs pretty much within the space of about three hours on one night in the same town. Mm, yeah, that's great. I love how different the stories are as well. They've got complete, as you say, despite the fact they're all happening at the same time in the same place, they feel so different. You know, the mm. the story of the girls feels so different to the story of the serial killer. And the... Yeah, yeah, it's like they are the different, what would you call it, tropes. Yeah. Or like types of films, so yeah, the serial killer, the supernatural werewolves, the weird zombie children that come out of the lake. Yeah. But yeah, so so I was trying to I was trying to make sure I had it all. So the first two the couple I was trying to work out why they or why she got killed. Does the man get killed as well? She no, just her because, because she, she blew turned the off candle the, out. Yeah, okay. But then also I noticed that they ignored the girl who got killed and at first I thought, Oh maybe that was why because they're actually not very nice people. Because they let her die, yeah. but yeah, then I realised at the end it was the. It all the comes around, and, yeah. And as you say, although it hasn't got a wraparound story, Sam mm. is obviously the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's in him. all mm. of them. Yeah, all the way through. And I loved him so much. I have him covering uh, oh, yeah. a third oh, of my arm. Yeah, <laughs> you've obviously got the figure as well. Yeah, well, Not, yeah. I don't mean I don't mean <laughs> you're a short, stout, pumpkin-headed freak. <laughs> but I have the action figure <laughs> yeah. of of Sam. Yes. Interesting note, I, fe- I I didn't know this before, but um, the kid who's spying on the werewolf girls is... In the bear outfit. Yeah, is uh, Sam. So you do see the real kid who's playing him. Okay. Right at the well, start, yeah. they're in the looking costume through the change room. Yeah. Looking through the crack in the door of the changing rooms, yeah. That's the kid who plays He looks a bit different Sam. there, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't have a pumpkin head. No. So, so how do you know that it's... Um... Because uh, I was looking up who was in it and okay. like, LinkedIn and doing my, my, my researches and everything, and he yeah, he's referred to, he's credited as Sam Hain and Peeping Tommy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um, he's done loads. Actually, he's, he's... James. <laughs> Spooky. 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 <laughs> um, he's also in White Noise too, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Masters of Horror episode We All Scream for Ice Cream that's the one done by Tom Holland who did Fright Night oh ok I need to see all of those I've seen a few, I've seen obviously the John Landis one and a couple mm. of others but, uh, there's the, yeah and he's in the Imaginarium of Dr Parnassus the Terry Gilliam fantasy film with a dead Heath Ledger in it excellent mm-hmm. I also realised not this time on the, my previous watching of it which was probably six months ago because it's probably the I've got to see this film yeah. probably a dozen times easily, easily. It's my go-to. I love this film. Um, but yeah, so the, the kid who gets killed by his principal, yeah. who eats yeah. the candy, um, is uh, is Thurman Merman from Bad Santa. Yeah, the Bad Santa. Yeah, and the, number two. And well, from Bad Santa. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny how he he looks so similar, but because I never see those films. That close yeah. together, it never struck me. Before. Again, this was again this was like when I was going when I was going through, and I, I was like, oh, oh, he's Thurman Merman, and I just thought, and then just looking at it, it's like, and yeah, of course he is. Yeah, I mean, there's no disguise in that. No, you know? no, he's very distinctive. He's looking. like he's like Buzz Osborne as a child, <laughs> and yeah, it's sort of it was just beyond. 
yeah. <laughs> to the point of, well, clearly. Yeah, you can't really get annoyed with yourself that yeah. you haven't made that connection before. But they're such vastly different movies. Yeah. That, that being said, the I think the level of comedy in this... So again, uh, you've is, just taken one of my points. So oh, I actually made sorry. a few notes this time for the yeah. first time ever. I thought, I'm just going to... Because I definitely forget bits. You know, it, on the first viewing of any film, I've realised it's hard to remember all of it. Uh, but yeah, so... So I'll just run through some of these. I liked the the very start. I thought picked up the pace straight away, really mm. in a nice. And it it did a few like semi jump scares as she's taking down the props in their yeah. garden. And it's like, yeah, right, this is building tension pretty quickly. Mm. And something's clearly going on with the music, and which was also excellent, and the sound yeah. effects. Um, yeah, so it's a bit jumpy, but I thought they did it really well. And so I was trying to think, what other films have we seen that sort of started off with someone almost getting killed straight away? And a lot of them don't. A lot of them have quite a big build-up, yeah. as far as I can remember. Um, but The Void started off very quickly with some, them rushing out yes. the house. Yes. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I thought that was good. And really, through this whole film, it had a great pace, mm. um, which is what you said. It seems surprising that it was only eight to two minutes because so much happens, yeah. and it yeah. does. But it happens at a really good speed. I yeah, thought. it does. It doesn't feel rushed, no. but they get through a, a lot, lot of story in yeah. a really short amount of time. Yeah, they still manage to do the tension side of it as well, like you say. But yeah, they, but it's just it's not that like slow burn sort of thing no. or anything as well. But they still there is tempo. Get, yeah. yeah, it slows at bits, but just for a little while, and then you're back into it's uh, just, a different it's, sort of experience almost each yeah. time. Yeah, it's just enough to get you. It's funny how you saying about those jump scares at the beginning. They're not jump scares, but they they pull the tension like it's a jump scare every time she pulls one of those. And it gets you with the same thing about five times. Mm -hmm. You still feel your heart rate. Each time she pulls one of those. And I've seen it before. I know there's nothing under them. But the music just builds it to you. And it's just that sudden noise of her ripping those blankets. And then, like you said, the comedy, the first bit is where, obviously... Tricks you with her scream and him watching the porn. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, immediately it's like, okay, there's a bit of humour here and it's mm. sort of light-hearted at some points while she's actually getting killed. <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, so that, that was great. And I thought all throughout, really good job with the costumes because the way they'd done the different children dressed up as sort of normal Halloween costumes, but then the children on the bus that were pretty messed up costumes, yeah. they were great. They were really, oh, genuinely yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah. like what? if someone was dressed up like that, that would be weird. Because <laughs> there's the footage at the start as well. Yeah. Like, that, like, yeah. And they've got really bizarre costumes. Yeah. yeah. I'll point you towards a book called Haunted Air. And it's uh, photographs. It's by a guy called uh, Ossian Brown, who was in, I believe he was in Coil at one point. He's certainly in Cyclope with Stephen Fry from Coyle. Yeah. Um, and it's a book of photographs of old, like, 1930s Halloween costumes. I think they've got a book in the library. And they, look, really. they look like that, the stuff on the bus. Mm. It's that really sort of disturbing but homemade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, and it seems almost really difficult. How do you achieve that without it looking awful? Somehow it looks really good. It's sinister. It's like uncanny, it? yeah. Something... Yeah. Mm. It's just something off. Yeah. Even though they're clearly sort of, you know, bung together with paper mache. And yeah. in a weird way, that's that's another thing that does it as well. Because, I mean, not only that, but also I think it's great that the genuine sort of, like, the the werewolves mm. all have just the the sort of traditional... Well, not traditional, the thing that is, has become a thing of just 
sexy costume for yeah, women yeah. at Halloween rather than yeah. anything supernatural. They're dressed as like Disney princesses yeah. and yeah. Red Riding Hood and stuff. So that can get a whole other sort of texture almost. Oh, then, then, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of mm. stuff about wolves, runt of the litter. Yeah. Um, lamb what is it it's oh yeah that, the, the wood something forest it's like yeah. a sheep bleating lamb forest or something like that and when she yeah. when they're knock, when they're all getting changed and she knocks on her cubicle because she won't come out she says if you don't come out I'll huff yeah, and yeah. yeah so it, all those so little many, hints and you don't pick up on it <laughs> not at all no. but, but wait so but were they all, they were all werewolves then yeah because I thought some from were vampires at first. No, no I think it, again, it's one it's of those. It's where they're half changed. Yeah, but, it, yeah, yeah. But it's and that's what I loved about it was it wasn't until the full reveal. Yeah. That you and it's um as I say we mentioned before we saw it at Fright Fest. It's the only time I've ever seen a film in the cinema where halfway through the film the entire place yeah. just erupts into <laughs> a massive applause. It was that end. It ends with the end of the song and it cuts up to the moon and the the whole of the yeah. empire, Leicester Square, went <laughs> batshit for that. Do you, yeah. It was so clever. You do realise we are one of the few people to have actually seen that in the cinema. The fact that this was direct-to-DVD is an absolute travesty because yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's a phenomenal film and it's, everybody who's seen it loves it. It would have been... I, I mean, apparently there is, like, like we were saying earlier, apparently there is a number two coming. Uh, okay. The director, Michael Doherty, yeah. has said that he is, um, he, that's what he's doing next. Uh, he's doing that, and he's also currently shooting the sequel to Godzilla, like the the American one from, I think, 2014, okay. yeah. 15. That was a good film. Which was a good, the good God, the good American Godzilla, <laughs> not the shit Godzilla. Yes. That's he shall forever be slain. <laughs> but yeah, so he's doing that, and then apparently he's doing Trick or Treat 2. Okay. In yeah. fact, we should watch, if we do, if we do the similar thing, if we do Christmas... We should dig out Krampus we as well because I think absolutely he does, I think have to do well, Krampus. Yeah. I loved that. Was that his as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. which I hadn't realised until I was like until I was doing the sort of look for uh, like research for this one. Yeah, I hadn't actually realised, but we watched it. I mean, it wasn't Christmas, was it? We did we, actually we did watch it Christmas. We did watch it yeah. Christmas, I and just, I hadn't been aware of that. But now I look back on it, it's like yeah, actually I can see you, you care. Okay. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not like a multi-story thing. It is just like a single narrative, but it's really well done. It's and really it's the same parts of it should be so ridiculously ludicrous, but they somehow still make yeah. them sinister and horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that. Uh, that that was the reason I had to see that opening weekend. I went with Chris Jones to see it opening weekend. Ah, right. Um, yeah. Because I knew it was his return to horror after he'd been and done some other bits of pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah, and completely love that. So, in two months' time, when it is Christmas, we will mm. definitely, in the run-up to Christmas, if we are still doing two months now, I'm sure we, I'm sure yeah. we will be. Um, yeah, we will have to have that in our in our Christmas cycle. So this was two thousand seven. Two thousand nine. It was released, okay. but it was shot a few years before. Okay. Three years. And and uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was meant to be. It was meant to be released Halloween two thousand and seven. Okay, and what year was? What did you call it? Cramp. Krampus was. Krampus, two thousand and fifteen. Okay. Yeah, two thousand. Because I would. This looked newer. I thought I was trying to work out because 
the actors that I recognised, the girl from X-Men. Anna Paquin. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, and Brian Cox. So when yeah. I saw the, the credits at the start, obviously I thought Brian Cox, that's odd. But I recognised him. I just didn't know he was called that. And I, <laughs> I must have seen him in some seen, other films, yeah. He's in loads of stuff. I want to put it on record here that I love Cox. <laughs> We were actually, when we saw this at cinema, we were kicked out of our seats. We um, at, at the the foyer bit in the Empire, next to where the bar is. I don't know if it still is. I've been for a few years. Literally, there is one set of seating with two sofas facing each other, and we'd managed to get one of those sofas and were sitting having a beer before we went into the film. And security come along and said, "We need these," and oofed us out. So we literally just stood up next to the sofa, yeah, and they brought in Brian Cox and then uh, a guy to interview him, and they did an interview in the foyer. Fair enough. I was happy to give yeah. up my seat. For and, I, and I took a picture of him, didn't I? But that camera I had at the time, no, my camera phone, it oh, had the, fu- the flash. It had a flash on it. Everyone looked. It went off oh, like yeah. a bloody traffic camera. <laughs> Seriously, because yeah. I thought I'll get a sneaky picture of uh, Brian Cox. Show off. Not then. so sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Subtlety really went out the window at that point. <laughs> but that was, yeah, I mean, we are one of the few, so me and Lee are one of the very few people to have seen it at the, uh, actually at the cinema. And the director and Brian Cox came on and did like a little, not really a Q&A, but they did like a little talk at the start and then the director did a and a at the end, didn't yes, they? Yes. And, um, and in the audience was Master of Horror, John Landis, mm. um, and he actually asked them about the delay on this and basically no one really knows what happened but it got shelved um there's a cup sort of couple of room or couple of possibles that i found online uh one was that they didn't want it to compete with saw 4 which was coming oh, out the same weekend which, really yeah who is who is gonna go trick or treat or a trick or treat i keep yeah. calling it trick or treat and i don't want to confuse people with no. the 80s heavy which is also a great film. Gene but Simmons film, yeah. You can't compare the two. Um, yeah, who is going to be standing in the ticket booth trying to decide between those two? Yeah, but then I think their their thoughts on it are Saw has a loyal audience. Yeah. People don't know what Trick or Treat is. That's true. Yeah, yeah I, I suppose. And the other thing, that they, the other one of the other reasons which I thought sounded a tad unfair, but I can understand it because we are talking about film producers. Um, or film studios rather mm. um, because Michael Doherty co-scripted um, Superman Returns that, which that was, was directed by Brian Singer yes. and Brian Singer's company produced this as well yeah. and basically that was a box office flop and they thought it was, people have thought maybe it's cold feet that oh these aren't golden boys anymore so we can't do you know what I mean? That, that was the story I'd heard mm. and the one that I was aware of. Um, mm. But yeah, how you could shelve something. I mean, it, it did the, the horror convention circuit yeah. and just was absolutely adored by everybody who saw it. So yeah. how they could be in, in two minds about releasing it is... It's funny, it's got to be quite disappointing to the amount of effort that goes into making a film... Yeah, for like, it to sit yeah. there for two years, you'd be screwing, well, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, John Landis asked him about this, and, mm. and in fairness, Michael Doherty had to be quiet, mm. you know, diplomatic yeah. or whatever yeah. about it. Was, was. Uh, but John Landis's reply was, Warner Brothers, fuck them. <laughs> Which is hell of a statement, yeah. but then he's John Landis, he directed the Blues Brothers and I asked. 
Um, um, Merrick Wealth in London didn't tell anyone he wants to fuck off. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he, yeah. I went and shook his hand. You did. I went a bit. Yeah. I yeah. said I've got. I said it'd be remiss of me not to shake you by the hand. My father and my sister would never forgive me. He looked bewildered, but he shook my hand nonetheless. Very um, tall man. He was very tall. And on a side note, um, I made a personal discovery uh, last week or the week before, or a bit of a realization, Pat. Is it a um, mole? <laughs> we'd been discussing John Landis uh, you and I Chris mm. uh, on the car journey I believe yes, it was yeah. um, and we'd mentioned Michael Jackson's Thriller Yes. now when I got home I decided that I needed to go back and watch it again and yeah. I did three times in a row mm. um, the, the making of uh, Thriller no, no, I, watched, oh. I watched the thing itself and then I went back and watched the making yeah. and I think that's why I've realised that ho- why horror doesn't scare me the way it does with other people is I saw that when I was probably five or six years old on a VHS with the making. So I saw the scary video and then 45 minutes of how it was done. And I think that all of the impact of the fear of it, although it's honest, if they could make an hour and a half of that, it would be the greatest film ever because it's, it's so perfect. I know, obviously, it's John Lake, John Landison, uh, it's Rick, uh, Rick Baker, Baker doing, doing all the, the werewolf effects yeah, and zombies. as if it was ever going to be anything. But the scenes are so perfectly constructed. It's the most quintessential of each of those looks. So that's mm. the perfect werewolf for me and the perfect zombies. And seeing them all coming out of the graves and stuff is so absolutely perfectly done. And with Vincent Price voiceover. Absolutely. And then to show how it's all done, if this is the scariest thing you can imagine, and then it's shown to you how it's done, you're always going to make that connection between, no matter how good it looks, you know the work that's gone into it. And I think that's why horror has never had the same effect for me that it does for a lot of people. It's because I say it's not. It's not because I've got massive balls and nothing scares me. It's not. It's just the films don't affect me in that way. I don't see them that way. And I think that's why. I think it's because. I made such a close approximation between seeing something that's so terrifying immediately followed every time by, and this is how it was done. And, and I think that, it took that. And also everyone's having such a great time on that show. Yeah, everyone's loving it. you know what I mean? It. So you, you, immediately it's not, um, I think we've said it before, but it's not that thing. It's always meant to be that comedy films are only good if everyone like was practically going to kill each other making it <laughs> and horror films are only good if you have a real good time making it yeah and it's yeah and I think it, I don't know why that is I suppose it's releasing the tension one way but then the other side of it is no this has got to be precise because we've got to make sure that this works yeah we haven't got an audience here we need to know that this is going to work out and we can make this funny and yeah see what I also noticed this time slightly off topic again sorry I'm just going to point this out and then we'll return to Chris's list I've never noticed before how much Anna Paquin looks like Elsa Lanchester. Like, honestly... She does somewhat, she's, yeah. She's, she looks exactly like her. It's Just for the record, who? Elsa Lanchester, sorry, is the Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, OK, so that must be on our list for for some time. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the early 30s ones, which I know we've said you should probably get a bit more into the genre before looking back again at the older stuff. But it is one. It is considered. I think generally, it's considered the best of the universe, isn't it, of that era? Yeah, and it's also um, one of those rare films. It's the. It's one of the few ones where the sequel's rated higher, higher than the original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So she played the bride, but also 
Um, uh, so the original Frankenstein tells the story and sets that everything up for what we now consider. So the, the look of Frankenstein, the way he's brought back with yeah. the lightning and knocks none of that's in the book. Okay. So yeah. all of that is all done uh, based on the Universal original. And then the bride of, they do a little bit of the... It starts off with Mary Shelley right uh, away with Byron and... And Percy Shelley and, and John Polidori. That's it, Polidori. In Geneva, yeah. That's it. Um, and so Elsa Lanchester also plays um, Mary Shelley in a very short sort of intro to it before the film starts. Mm. And the guy's playing Lord Byron... <laughs> Fuck, he picks his part up. <laughs> but can that fair and fallow brow have conceived of Frankenstein, a monster made from cadavers from rifled graves? It is. It, that's not an exaggeration. It's yep. genuinely like that. And it's amazing. And I love every moment of it. Yeah. It's, it is great. We will, we, I think, in a weird way, I'd like, I think we could do that, like, almost two parts, do the first Frankenstein and Brian. And then, yeah, yeah. Because I do think you... I think you need to see the first one in a oh, weird to way set to, it up. to actually, well, not only just to set it up, but also just so that you can go, oh yeah, Bride is 2.0. Yeah. It really is the improvement on it in every strata of it, weirdly. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds like a good idea then. Yeah, it's, mm. it's a phenomenal movie a second. Sorry, so what was <laughs> next? Sorry, now. Uh, well, on. actually, that was, I'm um, down to the last point I made which was why the comic book was that I didn't know if it meant that it had come from so originally that. he did a short before he did this okay um, when he was in uh, film school um, and it was basically it's an extra on the DVD and it's just like a five minute short animated thing of mm. Sam going around yeah. So it's so that's why he went back to the animation, and also. I that. Okay. So after this was released, he then made a Trick or Treat two, which I don't know is what the film is going to be based on, called Book of the Dead, perhaps. But it's a graphic novel, and I've got it upstairs. And you bought it for me for Christmas, but you asked me what I wanted, and I told you that, and you bought it, so you obviously yeah. never registered it. But you did buy it for me for Christmas a few years ago. I like and practicality like that. <laughs> no, it's, 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 surprises are all well and good. But equally, don't know what to get yet. What do you want? I want that. Champion. He always does that. Yeah. What do you want for your birthday? Fury Road on Blu-ray. Sorted. Boom. Done. What on Blu-ray? I've uh, got yeah. Fury Road. Ah, oh. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you do, you know, you are happy for longer than you probably would be if I actually exactly. tried to come up with Just something. pick something random off of the shelf. Yeah. yeah. It also reminds me of uh, Creepshow, where they do it, because it's the old... Um, yes. Uh, horror comics, like in. I mean, we had them over here, but in, in the America, DC ones and yeah, the... and EC is it as well? There was the yes, uh, possibly. And there, it's like where stuff like Tales from the Crypt and things like that all originated from, in hmm. comic form in the states. And actually, that was one of the first sort of horror bands was long before sort of you know like the band pirate, like the band video nasty list. Even in the 30s and 40s, they were like, oh, this is why teenagers have got quiffs and stabbed <laughs> cinema seats. It's because of all these comics about yeah. monsters and everything. So we'll ban them. Mm. And actually, that led, that's what really led to superheroes as they were. Because um, 
what you could portray in comics, particularly like it, once the Americans put this code in, what you could portray in there was extremely limited. And so you ended up with things having to go much more in a sort of like go off in a fantasy direction, but also be, um, you know, they couldn't have anything too graphic or sort of obvious in it. And I think weirdly, because obviously like in Japan, they have like um, like manga, like their comics, yeah. they have everything. They have yeah. teenage soap opera comics, sport, uh, sport stories, um, you know, just anything is doable as a comic whereas obviously in America it's essentially superhero yeah and I think it was probably I mean a, a number of factors but one of them was that this this code came in that really restricted what you could do mm. and you end up with sort of you know superheroes was felt much a safer and also b they could sort of do it on a moral stand if you like you know where it'd be sort of you know lessons of basically be a nice person <laughs> that's the other thing I loved in this was the um, the moral element which I didn't notice the first few times yeah, I watched it so everybody who gets it yeah. deserves well not necessarily deserves it I mean the I, woman at the beginning who blows the candle out she doesn't necessarily well, but, so that's why I, I think because but, I was seeing that I felt like maybe that was because she'd ignored the girl because it seemed to fit the moral yes. aspect. I think Sam's at the Sam's problem with you is if you disrespect Halloween. Mm. Yeah. And so she's not following the traditions yeah. of Halloween. But it's a lot of so the kids who are cruel to the other girl, they all get it. Yeah. And she I'm gets so, away. Do you remember when we watched it and the first thing I said when we came out was I'm really glad that Rhonda survived because yeah. you know, she was and, and also the fact it's like Sam sees her and it's like yeah, you know, just, just he gives her a nod. Yeah, you know, sort of. Goes, yeah. She he gives it gives her the Boba Fett nod, <laughs> and off they go on their respective little journeys. And I liked that because mm-hmm. you know I think there is, but like you say, everyone else is the majority of them are asking for it. Even yeah. even I mean it's it's scale, admittedly, mm. but even the kid um, Herman Merman when he gets yeah. Uh, yeah. killed he's been smashing pumpkins yeah. and steeped and taking too many sweets mm. yeah and okay that shouldn't be met with no. having your head cut <laughs> off and carved into a pumpkin yeah but, but if someone's going to get it it yeah. should be someone who's smashing people's pumpkins really but, <laughs> but I think that, that <laughs> Billy Colgan watch out <laughs> that, that, um, that gives it a bit of the uplifting sense I think because mm. it's like underlying is yeah you know there's some Part of the twist is that there is uh, retribution from what appears to be perhaps the innocents, although yeah. they're probably not, I suppose, werewolves aren't innocent. At that point, you probably are beyond nature, or beyond, certainly beyond humanity. Therefore, it's much the same as if you get savaged by a dog. You know, okay, then... Or actually, no, something like a wolf, actually. You know, if, if there was a wolf savaging people in the woods, you'd send out a hunter to shoot it. But you wouldn't make it stand trial, or you yeah. wouldn't necessarily think the wolf was evil. You'd think it was a problem. Yeah. And I think maybe that puts it beyond good and evil. Oh, mm. that's what I'm telling myself anyway. Because um, actually, really, the only person in it who, I mean, obviously Krieg, uh, Krieger, yeah. Krieg, I thought it was it's Krieger, Krieg. isn't it? Like Brian Cox. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Krieg. Yeah. Um, he. I mean, obviously he. 
receives his retribution from the people that he kills. Mm. Yeah, he was the driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but uh, but similarly, obviously, Principal Wilkins gets. He's. I mean, he's on a full-blown rampage because he's burying people. He's cut Herman Merman's head off. Um, he's oh, initiating he's... his son into the murder. Yeah. He's the vampire who attacks the girl in yeah. the alley. And so, yeah, him. You yeah. know, he yeah. he deserves to get ripped apart by only werewolves. I've got to say that boy who plays uh, Wilkins' son mm-hmm. is so adorable. Like, he's I'm, brilliant. I'm not. I'm not someone who looks at kids and goes, "They're so sweet." They're, I just, you know, I have no attachment to children particularly. Yeah. Um, apart from yours, Chris, yours are lovely. Yeah. But generally, <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Like I don't see kids on TV and have that paternal. You, no I, sort of art. No, no, I never get that. But this kid was really cute. Nothing to do with him chopping up the head. No, no. It's just his look. I think it was just that curly ginger or, hair. Or winding his dad up by keep shouting out the window. Yeah, that Charlie is... Brown's an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, that's that's enough to make like anyone really. Isn't it? <laughs> Few sort of bits and pieces came up, like in terms of um, the cast and stuff. Obviously, we spoke about Anna Paquin. Everyone knows her as Rogue. Um, and she was in True Blood. Was what yeah, I she was the TV series yeah. Vampire TV series yeah. True Blood. Um, because she, her first role was in a film called The Piano when she was nine, and she won Best Supporting Actress for that. That, that yeah. was Oscar. wasn't that a, yeah Jesus. very good yeah. film yeah yeah I that know. was it was the one with uh, uh, Sam Neill being a bit uptight and Harvey Keitel with his cock out again. Put it away, man. We've seen it. I'm We're not impressed. Say I've not. But, well, um, anyway, but yeah, she, she's she's in it as uh, she she like I think it was like the first film she ever did. Yeah. And basically, yeah, she was nine years old. She's new. She's from New Zealand. Oh, she um, really? Originally, yeah, she's from New Zealand. And so, and Jane Campion did the film The Piano, and yeah, she won Best Supporting Actress in 1994 at the age of nine. Mm. Wow! And there's a weird thing because it made me think there was a lot of this weird thing in the 90s of very young actresses appearing like in really good roles in films. Who are still, you know, acting now and successful, you know, unlike a lot of, especially like male child stars and stuff mm. like that. Where, but it's not they've not done like the Macaulay Culkin thing of it's almost like a novelty to get him in or something yeah. like that. Um, because you had like Natalie Portman and that's, Leon. That's what I was thinking of. Who yeah. obviously, yeah. yeah, still like a big star. And yeah. um, oh, from Interview with a Vampire. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. Uh, and again, I didn't realise that was her. Yeah. yeah. And but there's so many sort of like, and a lot of them, fucking brilliant. I mean, yeah. really, yeah. I think Leon's probably the best Natalie Paul's been in anything, really. But that is good. I, but, I can't speak for Interview with Vampire because I saw it when it first came out, and I've never oh, had really the urge to return to it. It's that whole sexy vampire thing. We've mm. mentioned it on the show before, and it it just upsets me. I don't. I don't what, know. What Brad Pitt as a sexy vampire? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Tom Cruise is a sexy. Yeah. Um, but Wilkins, Principal Wilkins, uh, is in planes, trains, and automobiles. Is Owen, he really? Owen in planes, trains, and automobiles. I've not seen that film. Name really, really rang a bell. Uh, he's in Requiem for a Dream. Is okay. he? Uh, yeah, he's the Southern Doctor. I think he's the one who's. The mum, you know, the where she's 
like strung out yeah. on diet pills. Yeah. I think he's her doctor. Okay. I think I can't. I I can't remember. And yeah. frankly, I don't think I'm watching that again because oh, no. I'm that's, in a relatively good mood. That's still one of my <laughs> favourite films. It's a great film, but I don't know if I can hack it. I never need to see that film again. As Soundtrack well. by Clint Mansell. It is Clint Who Mansell. liked something on Instagram of mine and us? Oh, did he really? Yeah, I need to spaff my knickers. <laughs> Fortunately, I wasn't wearing any, so I just spaffed everywhere. <laughs> um, he's also in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2 and 3, as okay. Kurt Connors, who's meant to become the lizard. But I don't think they got round to it in the Sam Raimi ones. Do you know what? I tried to watch all three of those over a weekend uh, about a year ago. Um, and the first and second ones were fine. That third one was a slog. Mm. I don't think I even made it to the end of it. It was so... I think I... I, think I Checked out before Venom even appeared. I just yeah. I, I haven't seen that one then with Venom in. Oh, it's so they tr- it, they did the thing of trying to get too many. So it's it's all about Doctor Octopus, and then for some reason they try to cram Venom into the same film. Uh, I won't remember that. Yeah, correctly. no, no. The, uh, second one's Doctor Octopus. Um, third one's the Sandman. And Venom. Oh, in that case, I think I checked but, out during the second movie. That yeah. even made it to the third one. But um, I saw a post where someone... It was just a picture of um, Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. Mm. And they said, why does he look like he's cosplaying every single character in the Matrix at once, including <laughs> the Sentinels? <laughs> quite, yeah. Which I thought was good. Yeah. Um, he's also in uh, Fido, the... Uh, Billy Connolly's zombie Need to film. watch that again. I only saw it once when it first came out, and it's really, really enjoyable. Cool, but uh, yeah, apparently it looks like looks like a major role in there, but we're struck out, let's say. So, <laughs> um, oh, and uh, yeah, Bub the cameraman is a werewolf wrangler in Cabin in the Woods. Oh, go. really? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. There's a few people um, who turn up in. Uh, like the the giant baby that they're that she's trying to hook yes. um Anna Paquin up with um is also Harold Shelburne, the great child in Thirteen Ghosts. Interesting. And oh, the, oh, the, oh god, that was an awful film. The Thirteen Go- and someone else is in Thirteen Ghosts who played Susan Legros, the bound woman. Um and that was uh, Laura Manell, who was Ali. And C. Ernst Harth was the giant baby. But he's in loads of, um, uh, what's his name, Chris Carter stuff, X-Files, Millennium, oh, really? Past Realm. Uh, he was in The Outer Limits as well. Obviously, we've got Cox. Obviously. And I'm going to have to say it now. He is the best cinema Hannibal Lecter. He was originally the best Hannibal Lecter, but now Maz Mikkelsen's kind of peaked him I'm yeah. sorry Brian I didn't mean it but I think I've just worked, I've just lived with him so long in Hannibal now that it's, he's uh, terrifying Mads Mikkelsen yeah he really really is he's he's just got the right level of hmm, yeah. I'll, I'll flip a coin and we'll see where this goes yeah, yeah it's uh... but he's I mean obviously actually there's a lot of crossover I suppose it's because of Brian Singer but obviously uh, like Michael Doherty wrote uh, co-wrote the script to X-Men 2, which has obviously got Brian Cox in it as Stryker and yeah. Anna Paquin's Rogue in that, obviously. Um, on TV, I was thinking, um, obviously, when he was Brother Shaw in Sean's show. Do you remember God. that? Yes. 
Um, he's in year of the Sex Olympics. Uh, he was in A Touch of Cloth. Um, but uh, the one that also came up was he's in The Silent Scream, Hammer House of Horror, opposite Peter Cushing. You know the one where he's got the... Him and his missus break into a... Is it like a pet shop? And they've got like oh the electric, God, the yes. electrified fence, uh, electrified uh, exit. Yes. And he's and basically Peter Cushion trains him oh like Pavlov. I've forgotten he was ever in a Hammer movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's Hammer House of oh. Horror, like he's the, oh, yeah, the yeah, TV, TV series. TV series yeah. But obviously, just so many damn things that man's been in. Hmm. Um, he also finds time to um, look at the stars <laughs> and think about all the wonders they're in. <laughs> Wrong, wrong Brian Cox, mate. Oh, is it? It's oh, the right. other one, yeah. Oh, good. He doesn't just put on a younger wig. <laughs> oh, I thought he did. I thought it was, I thought it was a hand puppet. And the guy who plays the bus driver, a.k.a. young Brian Cox, yeah. or Little Cox, um, he's actually a guy called Gerald Payets, or Pietz, um, and he's actually a stuntman. Who's and specifically a stunt driver. Oh right. Okay. So all the sort of basically yeah, just all the stuff with the uh, with the school bus would have been him actually driving it, as well as just be playing the role of the guy driving yeah. everything. So, but I mean, he's in loads of stuff. He's in Airbud Two, Golden Receiver. He's in Airbud Four, Seventh Inning. <laughs> oh sorry, Seventh Inning Fetch. Doesn't work. Golden Receiver is brilliant. That is a good title, but yeah. So I just—it's not. I got a bit obsessed because I didn't realise there was more than one Airbud film, and he's in three of these. I didn't know there was. He's in three Air of Bud the film. five Airbud films that exist. I know. I think I did know of their existence because I think they're mentioned at one point by the crazy uncle in Duck Dynasty. I think that's literally the <laughs> limit of my knowledge. <laughs> Sorry, that's a tickle me somewhat, that is. But he's also, he also did stunts in Godzilla, Cabin in the Woods, Tron Legacy, Remake of Total Recall, Snakes on a Plane, Alien vs. Predator, Requiem, uh, X-Men 2, X-Men Last Stand, wow. uh, Chronicles of Riddick, Shanghai Noon, Blade Trinity, just tons of stuff. So. That's an unsung hero. An unsung hero. That's an unsung hero and of the week. And Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. It's oh, on the list. Yeah, we, we are going to... Cabin in the Woods is definitely... That's like the sort of... I don't know. 30th anniversary episode. Yeah, what we need to do is a run of slasher films for you to fully appreciate that. Actually, what we should do, we should should just build up the references. Do you know what I mean? We'll do Evil Dead, we'll do Hellraiser, we'll do... Yeah. And then then almost Cabin in the Woods like your final exam. Yeah. Okay, now spot the the essentials. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, uh, the music that you—I I forgot that the music in this is really good. It's really sort of Hitchcock. Yeah, it's very sort of Bernard Herrmann psycho strings and everything. So even you picked up on that, Chris, which I yeah. know you, you've mm. not really noticed the music so much previously. So it's good that it stood out. By a gentleman called Douglas Pipes, which might feed into the third of our Halloween, Halloween trees. Yes. Yeah. So, so. Is this going to be a challenge to continue how good this has been for the rest of the Halloween theme? Or have we got some oh, excellent ones coming know. up too? I think tonally we've got some... In, it's interesting. I think our three films that we've got... Um, oh, we're baiting you now. 
I think our three films that we've got are very different. Okay. They're, they're very, very different styles, but I think they are equal. They're all in my... They're all in my absolute have to watch mm. every October without a shadow of a doubt. All three of them Fair are enough. in the in the week I would say running up to Halloween when the really good shit comes out. All mm. of these come out alongside um, a fit. We've had a listener request. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, for um, Sleepy Hollow. Now oh, that ah. we must cover, kind of. Is it Johnny Depp? It is Johnny yeah. Depp. Uh, I think I did see it at the... Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw it at the cinema. I seem to remember liking it. It was a really good film. I think... I love the the story, the uh, Washington Irving original story, Mm. and I've got probably half a dozen different versions of it. Um, Mm. But I think Tim Burton's aesthetic was perfect for that. Yeah, okay. He he just made it look... Mm. He really took it off the page. Feel like it probably should. Yeah, that cross between real and cartoon, that's mm. somewhere in between. And he does that perfectly. And he takes that hammer aesthetic. Yes. I mean, obviously, he's yeah. got uh, Michael Goff's in it and yep. um, Christopher Lee. And, is yep. Christopher Lee in it? Yeah, he, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a number of old guard horror actors in it anyway. Yeah. And, and the blood is very... Kensington Gore. Yeah, it is. And the rest of it's all very blue and grey scale. Yeah, yeah. So all of the colours are really subdued and toed down, apart from, as you say, the blood, which is just so over-the-top red. Mm. Yeah, it's a phenomenal-looking film. It's a great story. It's another one that's really well-paced as well. Yes, actually, yeah. I mean, obviously they take... Because uh, they take some sort of changes with it, because Ichabod Crane's a teacher, isn't he? I mean, we'll, yes. we'll okay, actually we'll cover we'll this, when we'll we actually, this when we cover when we watch Sleepy Hollow. That might be a good idea. Keep listening. We're going to do that at some point. Mm. Yeah, not right now, but yeah. <laughs> One other, a couple of other things that just came up might be of interest. The werewolves were made by Tatapola Studios, who also did the lichens for the Underworld films. Ah, yeah, they and, had a very and, similar look. And I does, yeah. having seen that, having watched it again. Like, because this is the first, this is literally, I think, the first time I have seen this film since two thousand and nine. Oh, really? Cause I think because we, we obviously we saw it for Fright Fest, and then I watched it when the first when you first when got it through on DVD, yeah. yeah. And that's that's been it since then. So I haven't seen it since then, and it was. Wow. And frankly, I'm a fool. Why have I not been watching it more often? But I'm I glad haven't. that I'm, in a way, I'm glad that I haven't because I've really, I really had a great time watching it, and mm. not that I don't. Usually, but it was sort of like, yeah, you know, I've I've, yeah. it's, I've been away from it long enough. It's an event movie. That's yes. what I love. It's like Big Trouble in Little China. It's one of the, you get people together, you sit and watch it. I've as I watch it on a regular basis, mm. but I've sat with a room full of people and watched it probably four or five times. I've probably sat with a group and watched this film more than I have with anything else, just mm. because I love to show it to people because a lot of people haven't seen it, and it's such an easily accessible movie. Who yeah. wouldn't love? Who wouldn't love that? It's got mm. all of the elements. It's not too scary to show people who aren't massive fans of horror. Yeah. The comedy's fantastic in it. Um, yeah, it, it's very, it's very easy to get into. It's, yeah, it's it's really well put together. Uh, the cast are brilliant. Full yeah. stop. I mean, there's there's no dead notes or anything. The effects look great. It's yeah. I mean, it, it's I. I genuinely think this was probably one of the dumbest things ever by denying this 
a cinema release because this is this this is the sort of film they would be doing if I think if it had had that cinema release this is the sort of film that would be like Prince Charles at Halloween yeah I mean I they probably would they probably do show it but do you know what I mean it would be it be like it would be an event in October it'd be like right we're doing trick or treat trick or treat on that Saturday and, and again yeah. this is the I know you said they didn't want to put it up against uh, Saw 4 well that's just that but was just I, one of the th- but, but as they'd, as yeah. they'd he- held the film back for two years mm. why not just give it a couple more months and then stick it out at the cinema why not wait until it hasn't until there's nothing that's going up head to head against it and put it up because Again, maybe it might not have done so well. Maybe it wouldn't have drawn people in again because it didn't have the names and things attached to it, and it some good names. Well, yeah, it's. I, th- I don't. I, th- I don't think a lot of them were as big then as they. Mm. So Anna Paquin, back then, wasn't the name she is now. Brian Cox obviously was. I, yeah, but then I think I don't think Brian Cox. I don't think, he, and indeed, sort of Anna Paquin. I don't think he probably neither of them are a big enough draw on their own. Yeah, and prop and like like we were saying about with the Superman thing, that might have been another scuppering factor because it's like, oh, it's an unknown writer director. What else has he done? Well, he wrote Superman Returns. Oh, I hated that. Yeah, or that yeah. didn't do very well. So again, say maybe they came I to could, a conclusion. I can see yeah. their pro- and also I suppose the trouble is with it is that it's it's a film that has to really come out at Halloween. True, and. Most sort of horror franchises or horror franchises that got their heads screwed on hmm. would be thinking around the same time. So you might hold it off for one year because Saw Four was coming out, but then next year maybe fucking what, Saw Five. <laughs> but yeah, you know. And but but this I think this owes this is much more of a lineage to horror that I because uh, it's not an eighties throwback. Oh, no, no, no. But it, but it, it feels of a kind with a lot of the stuff like 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 John Carpenter, like John Landis, yeah. a lot of that eighties aesthetic, a lot of those. Like I say, I mean, one thing it really reminds me of is Creepshow. Yeah. Uh, again, anthology, Carpenter's in between and everything. But I think yeah, there's a lot, and Michael Doherty just does a really good job with it. You know, yeah. He's, above, I think it's one of those things where it's like above and beyond. Expectations, hmm. but the trouble is, is that I think that every, I think studios are just so bloody sort of nervous and touchy now. This is where and, they, and, 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 and well, I say now. I mean, we're, this is nearly, well, this is over ten years ago now, yeah. but it's still very much the case. As a, but if they put some money behind Mark, as you say, they, they, there isn't anyone enough who's a big enough draw. You know what I mean? People who yeah. go into the cinema in droves aren't going, oh, wow, there's a new Brian Cox film. I don't yeah. think that's... A, but I think if they'd put enough money behind advertising mm. to get the look of this film out, they could have smashed it and made an absolute fortune because it looks beautiful. It looks perfect for that time of year. Mm. I, I think if they'd just spent a bit of time and a bit of money, they could have really nailed a cinema release of this. And of akin uh, and akin to eighties horror again. Up until a certain point, I mean, it is ne- even now it's it would be within the horror community. Robert Englund was not a big name, mm. but Freddy Krueger was iconic. Yeah, yeah. Doug Bradley was not a big name and still is not a big name, but Pinhead and that image was iconic. Mm. You the you've got the perfect marketing thing there. You've got Sam. Kids can dress as him for 
Halloween. Yeah. There's costumes. You know, you just slap him on everything. That's what. That's your marketing focus. Yeah, he absolutely is. It's, it's, it's such enough of a brilliant character. Yeah, it's you, enough of an you've image. Clearly made a good point there because I have no idea who the actor for Pinhead was. And that's yeah, what I mean. I but know you know, Pinhead. so that they. <laughs> But they well, did say that was one of the one of the sort of things that did it was the just that original poster where it's just him yeah. sort of gritting his teeth, looking straight into the camera. Because mm. actually, the weird thing is, is also is that um, in that image he hasn't got his contact lens, is it? Oh really? If you look at that, he's just got blue eyes. Oh. Uh, but obviously, Pinhead, he's got like the black, got black contact yeah. lenses. But yeah, he's he's actually got his own eyes in that shot. But again, it's just possibly that actually, I think, might have more of a connect than if it had had the black eyes. Yeah. Oddly, don't know why. One last thing that I found out is that uh, Craig is meant to look like John Carpenter. <laughs> it's like the, the, the hair, the moustache. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, it, it, and no, obviously he does cloak like the thing. Can... Yeah. So, yeah. Well... <laughs> Um, You've got to be fucking kidding me. Is a line from uh. Uh, the thing, yeah. <laughs> but he, but he's, yeah. They've sort of made Brian Cox that. I mean, he's. I mean, Brian Cox is a lot more heavy set than John Carpenter. John Carpenter's like a whippet, but um, you can see like the 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 all the makeup that's on there. It does have that effect of look. It's yeah. this. It's very similar makeup to John Carpenter's makeup in Body Bags. Yes, actually, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Where they, where they've aged John Carpenter. It's yeah. It's got a very. Yeah. It does have that same sort of look. So he actually acts in that, does he? So John Carpenter, yeah, did an anthology film called Body Bags. Um, yeah, and he is a cadaver in the morgue. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, for the wraparound. So he's the, the, you think he's the mortician telling you each of the stuff. It's only the wraparound bit, mm-hmm. so it's a total of three minutes of the film. But he introduces each of the vignettes, and you think he's the mortician, uh, and then in the end he lays down on one of the slabs. And he's I think he is called, isn't he just called the mortician? I think that's what that character is called, like oh, the crypt keeper. Do you know, I've only seen it the once. Mm. Uh, I need to go back and rewatch it. The only one, I think there's one about a petrol station. Yeah. Uh, and there's uh, there's one with Mark Hamill about a baseball player who loses his eyes or his hands. Or is that two evil eyes? No, no, it is body bags. Yeah. It is body bags, yeah, because two evil eyes. You can tell I'm unsure because my voice gets girlishly high. Yeah. <laughs> it's just girlish to start with is before it, I start. Um... Is that a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> amount of times I've been mistaken for a woman on the phone is quite terrifying for a man quite tattooed and bearded. Like the amount him. of times I've been mistaken for a woman when I flash people. When you goose me. <laughs> <laughs> In my own home is the bit that confuses me. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, marvelous film. Can't yep. say enough good things about it. Um, and I'm glad you enjoyed Chris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well done. Because if you hadn't, this would be the end of the podcast yeah. for uh, and our friendship. Yeah. Uh, um, so next time when we return for our Halloween extravaganza, it is going to be. Are you ready? Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The know, night no one came home. Yeah, oh, yes. I know a lot of people don't like that film, but fuck them, they're there's, wrong. There's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's that classic quote. There's two types of people in the world. People who like Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing film. It, it, it gets a lot of hate because... Um, 
so John Carpenter did Halloween. His original plan was to do a film about Halloween or connected to Halloween each year. But because Halloween was such a uh, such a massive thing, he mistakenly made Halloween 2, which was also about Mike Myers. So when he then did Halloween 3, everyone thought it was going to be a Mike Myers film, and it wasn't. It was just a story of an event that happens on Halloween. And a lot of people were really pissed off. Um, and so they lost their bottle and went back to doing um, Michael Myers films. Yeah, which is a shame. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of the Mike Myers films, the later Michael Myers films, are, are great films. Yeah, Austin Powers no, yes. was good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a lie, actually. I say some of them, when you go back to great films, they're not. I think four and five are fine. I think that's they about. Fe- if they feature Donald Pleasance, they're good movies, and there's no taking away from that. Okay, I'll show and argue with you. I know. <laughs> I ain't you, seen them all. I know. I actually <laughs> care. Did we do a marathon one year for Halloween? Me, you, and Doctor Dean. Did Andrew. And oh yeah, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, we had a big. We did we manage f- four, five, and six or something? Yeah, because yeah, because we. No, I think that's what it was. We didn't watch one because. Um, we all knew it backwards yeah. and we didn't watch three because we were doing a Michael Myers marathon yeah. so I think yeah I think we did two three four yeah uh, but yeah and then it sort of degenerated into whiskey and other things and pizza and yeah. falling asleep in front of the queen yeah <laughs> oh well she didn't mind um, okay so just to return to something I mentioned earlier that I'd like to return to quickly um, so the new Universal Dark Universe. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about the new, uh, the actors that have been released or have been mentioned to be tied in with the new roles? Yes. Uh, what? Uh, well, the only one I can remember is Harvey A. Bardem is the monster. He is going to be Frankenstein's, Frankenstein's monster. Um, so, Chris, the <clears throat> Universal decided. Possibly wrongly, <laughs> but uh, who the fuck knows at this point? Um, they want to do a Marvel type Universal time. So, what they want to do is they want to give each of the original Universal monsters their own film and then bring them all back in together for a big tie in thing so they'll live in a shared universe like the. Say like the Avengers. Yeah. Which, which did happen in the original ones. You had Frankenstein. Yeah. And you had Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and the Wolfman all cropping up in each other's films and yeah. House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein back in the 40s. Yeah. So it, is a, it has a precedent anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were the first ones to do it originally. Um, so they're now talking about doing that. So they've done The Mummy, which everybody knows flopped massively. Um, and I don't quite know who they were planning on keeping from that franchise necessarily. So the, the character... Girl who's playing the mummy is is a nobody. So no, but they're not nobody. Sophia sorry, Sophia Bertella. Yeah, is is a lesser known actress. Is yeah. what I mean. Whereas for all the subsequent movies, they seem to have thrown big names into them so mm. far, or they have big names attached to them. I don't know how much of it is gossip and how much of it is guaranteed. Yeah. Um, but they are. Um, so that's what they're planning on doing. And at the moment, so Javier Bardem is going to be the monster. Mm-hmm. The Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie. Right, okay. The Invisible Man, Johnny Depp. 
Is that just in case he starts acting up? <laughs> I've not seen the mummy yet. Ah, right. Okay, yeah. I didn't really. I, I, I was aware they were planning this dark universe thing, mm. but I haven't seen the mummy yet. Because um, it, it I, I think the problem is, it's one of those films at the cinema that isn't going to attract horror fans. It's going to attract knobs. So I'm waiting for it to come out on Blu-ray, and then I'll. Well, that's a good enough point. You know, there's some films that are going to attract horror fans who are going to sit there and watch a film, and there's films that are just going to be teenagers who just go, oh, it's got Tom Cruise in it and shit and effects and stuff, and they're just going to go and watch it and sit on their phones the whole way through. So. Tom Cruise is going to be in all of them. Okay. As... As, I don't know, Nathan Charmless. <laughs> all right, so he's not like Van Helsing or anything, he's just... No, I think he's just he's just an ordinary gadget who gets sort of uh, involved with it. I think, right. basically, as far as I can tell, it's like Mission Impossible 8, The Mummy. Because he's like a geezer who can go down on strings and he's a special agent. All the things that Tom Cruise is not. He's basically a tall, <laughs> handsome action man. So <laughs> Who isn't a Scientologist? Who isn't a psycho. Yeah, but, um, so, but I, from, so from what I gather, he's going to be kind of like... I don't know whether he's like some sort of team... I... Almost is he? Um, I was Samuel L. Jackson in the Avengers. Yeah, Fury. yeah effectively. I yeah. think he's like meant to be sort of. He's going to be the one who's wrangling this group of monsters and everything. To what annoys me though is this has been done before. All the Universal monsters have all been brought together successfully in a fantastic movie before. It was called the Monster Squad, and it really <laughs> worked. And it worked a fuck ton better than this new Mummy movie. Well, not being funny, Van Helsing. Yeah. I mean, okay. Guilty, guilty pleasure. Guilty, well, guilty pleasure, but also I think that this thing where they're saying, oh, this dark universe, and I think they've just... It is literally just, oh, well, the Avengers have done very well. Oh, is there any other comics? Well, there's like Batman and Superman. Oh, can we have them? No, someone else has already got them. Fuck. <laughs> uh, what else can we do? Uh, Sandman? No, isn't that a bit weird? <laughs> no, no, we won't do that. And that's DC anyway. Um, what have the Japanese got? Oh, you don't want to know what the Japanese got. <laughs> well, what have we got? We've got Frankenstein and his mates. Didn't they team up? Yeah. All right then. But we'll tell them it's the original lineup. Yeah. Oh, God. They'd have been better off actually making a decent League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, see, I love a steampunk movie, and that. Should have been a great steampunk movie, Should, and it, yeah, it, it wasn't even really a movie. Well, <laughs> it was just a mess. Compared, to, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Compared to the comics, it's like I don't know. It's like as if it's like you've got Macbeth and an episode of EastEnders. <laughs> it's like literally that much of a drop off. Yeah. It's like the comics are just insanely good. I mean, beyond, beyond how much care and attention you should put in a comic goes into those. Every single panel, every single page, the, 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 the thought that goes into it. It's like the, the second volume of it, they have the War of the Worlds. So they have H.G. Wells' wow. Martians turn up, right? Not only is Mr. Hyde ripping tripods apart with his bare hands, finally, and obviously you know how 
the end of War of the Worlds. Spoiler alert, but it's been out since Queen Victoria was on the throne. <laughs> um, and obviously it's the disease, like the, yeah. the, the, the uh, earth diseases that kill them. Hmm. In The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, Alan Quartermain and Mina Harker go to Dr. Morrow's Island... Wow. Who is the who develops the the um, germ warfare that kills the Martians? When they get there, because every single fictional character ever is is going to feature in the League of Gentlemen, hmm. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, they meet Rupert the Bear. What? Because he's one of Doctor Morrow's creations. <laughs> Doctor Morrow makes beast people, so they meet a white bear in check trousers. And he's Rupert the Bear. That is... There's so much, so much goes into it. There's like... It's just incredible. See, I'm not a comic book guy, but I think I need to Seriously, League, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you're not a comic book guy, but you are a Victorian sci-fi and horror fan. Oh, yeah. And you will just adore it. I mean, it's just okay. so well done. I shall get my hands on that. Yeah. Um, right. Now, for a slightly darker, um, ah, less, yes. less yeah. fun subject. So, another podcast I've started listening to recently um, did uh, an episode on the films of M. Night Shyamalan. And I decided, as they'd watched the new one, The Visit, yeah. um, and had said, ignore all the things we've said previously about how terrible his films are now. This one is really good uh-huh. so I decided to watch it and I won't call the show out for steering me in the wrong direction because generally they're pretty good but I was very angry having watched this film it's so bad it's so so bad so it, obviously all of M. Night's films all hinge on a twist or an unexpected event happening Right near the end of the film. They do in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not someone who sees twists or plot points coming. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I should be M. Night's wet dream. Because yeah. I sit slack Jordan stupid <laughs> and just absorb everything that's happening. I don't, try and, I don't try and second guess it. I don't try and think what's going to happen next, who's that person. I just sit and just absorb everything as it happens. Um, so I never spot things happen. Within five minutes of this hour and 20 minute long film, I had worked out what I thought was going to be the twist. Mm-hmm. But it seemed... I was like, well, it can't be. If, I, if, even, if even I've seen it, that can't be the twist. So therefore, he's setting us up to think that's the twist. And then right at the end, it isn't. Yeah. No, that isn't what he was doing at all. It was the most... Literally, in under three minutes of the film, I'd worked out what was going to happen. Ah. It was... Yeah. So shockingly shit. And nothing that happened between the beginning of the film and the reveal, which happens three minutes before the end of the film, and then it's just a bit of a shit reconciliation... Nothing that happened in between that was a surprise or in any way. It was just it was just the biggest waste of time. It just <laughs> it just had no it didn't do anything. It didn't yeah. offer anything. There was no tension because I knew what was coming the whole way through it. Mm. 
none of it made any sense. Look, there was a scene. So the the premise is a woman hasn't spoken to her parents in twenty years because they had a big falling out. She's now got two kids. The parents have contacted her on social media and said, um, "I know we haven't spoken in a long time. I know you don't want to see us. We'd really like to get to see our kids. Would you put them on a train and send them to us?" So they can spend the weekend with us. One, who in their right mind... Would you just randomly put your children on a train to go and spend time with somebody who you don't like or trust and therefore do not want to spend any time with? Does seem a bit odd. A little bit random. But they do it nonetheless. So all we know about these parents is A, she doesn't know them. B, they have never seen them. C, they work in a psychiatric hospital... That are the only things we know about them. So already, by the time they get off the train, the first thing in my mind is, well, how do they know that that's the grandparents who they're meeting with? Mm. There's nobody to... Surprise, to surprise. Yeah. And then, within two minutes of that, they get to the house, the first thing the grandparents say is, do what you like, you know, treat the place as, you, as your own but don't go down into the basement. I was like, right, so the grandparents are dead down in the basement and two of these nutters from the psychiatric hospital have clearly taken over the house and are pretending to be them. That can't be it. That'd be way too obvious. Well, that... that so, spoiler it. alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Sorry I ruined the film. I've, honestly, I've done you a fucking favour. Do not watch <laughs> this film. It is a massive turd. Um, yeah, so... So they have to go to bed at nine o'clock and the people go mad at night for, for, well, for it's, whatever it's, reason. It's due to the moonlight and some of them have <laughs> yeah. the strength of ten. <laughs> and they do preempt a thing saying he's told the children, yeah, she she has a condition where at night she goes a bit doolally so she runs around and does mental stuff. So the kids decide to leave a camera out, because it's all found footage. So the kids decide to leave this camera out to film her and see what she's up to at night, because they can hear her, but they, yeah. and they've seen her running around naked, but they don't quite know what she's doing. So they leave a camera out. So they hide a camera in the living room. It gets dark, we see her in the doorway, and then she disappears, and then, bam! Massive jump scare. She's in front of the camera, she's there, she grabs it off the shelf and she runs off of it. She's not fucking psychic. Yeah. She's psychologically deranged. How does she know when they've hidden this camera? Like, it's just... No, none of it makes any... It's just... Oh, I can't say... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to rank too long because I know she's gone on for quite some time. But, um, yeah, we will not be watching that film in a later episode. Okay. And well, pro- Probably with good reason. Yeah. Oh, it's... Pain. You know when you get to the end of a film... And it's so bad that it's made you angry. Mm. I think that has happened to me three or four times in the whole of my film watching life. And this was one of them. It yeah. was... So this is a case of under expectations, over expectations. Well, yeah. You thought it was going to be good. Uh, I was told... And it was... I was told, you know what, his last few films have been... I think mm. the problem is, I... Because uh, I quite liked The Village. Um, spoiler alert. But it it sets it up as a supernatural thing, and then the twist is that it isn't supernatural at all. Yeah, and that really angered me because you I really it be. liked it to be supernatural. And then when they went, it isn't. I went, all right, so it's just a shit film then. 
it's all is you've just taken the one thing that I would have liked about it mm. and taken it off. It was a very clever film, but with me, whenever there's that is it supernatural or isn't it, mm. I always want it to be supernatural. Yeah. I was always devastated at Scooby Doo. Yeah. No matter how many times you watched it, it was never ghost. Well, it was always it was... an old man in a in a mask. It was it, it was old man penis from the rectory. <laughs> he was the ghost all along. And he got away with it if he hadn't been meddling with kids. <laughs> Jimmy Seville. Um, okay, so, yeah, let's wrap it up then. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Um, right, so, next episode, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Um, go and check it out. And come and speak to us. Drop us an email at info at welcome to horror.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Welcome to Horror. Yep. Um, we've got a Facebook group, uh, Welcome to Horror. Um, yeah. Welcome to Horror.com. Yeah. SoundCloud, Welcome to Horror. Yeah. Come, uh, leave a message below on SoundCloud uh, or message us on iTunes. You can't message on iTunes. What a ridiculous thing to say. One non Apple You, can, you can rate on iTunes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You should do that. Yeah, rate us on iTunes as long as it's good. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, if you didn't like it, don't worry. No one's done that. Trip. Yeah, no, don't waste any more of your time if you've not enjoyed yourself. But yeah. if you have, end on a shallow end. Yeah, half a star. God. It was fine, except I didn't see the end coming. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <laughs> dick hole of a film. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us with my favourite quote from this film. Coach Taylor was in a hot dog costume, but fucking a pig. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice the uh, the hot dog costume when they were um, when the werewolves were eating all the corpses? She's there as well, the Catwoman. Oh, is she? She's one of the werewolf women. I saw her in the, <gasps> like, just in the background. You can see her. Yeah, that's amazing. God, this film just gets better and better. And check your candy. Always check, always check, your candy. Always check it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.